Hello, and welcome to Marathon Swim Stories, where we connect with marathon swimmers around the world to find out how they got started, what makes them tick, and why they keep going. It's where we explore the human side of the superhuman feats of endurance swimmers, the connections that we have with each other, our support crew, and the waters we cross. If you've ever stood at the edge of a body of water and wondered what it would be like to swim to the other side, you're in good company. I'm Shannon Keegan, marathon swimmer, water relationship coach, and founder of Intrepid Water, where I virtually teach swimming freedom. Freedom to get started, shed the confines of the pool, or your preconceived notions of what's possible. Find out more at intrepidwater.com. I always talk with my clients about marathon swims being events, not races. They are milestones in our life, like getting married or having kids. They become part of our being, a source of pride, a reminder of what we're capable of in tough times. But what if that event involved an intimate encounter with a squaliform that landed you in the emergency room after nine and a half hours of swimming? How do you internalize that experience? How do you incorporate that into your being? Eric Shaw knows all too well. I hope you enjoy his story. Eric, <laughs> it's so great to finally connect. <laughs> Thank you. It's finally glad to be here. It's been it's been a long time coming. Tell me about your relationship with the water, Eric. I'm very curious. Okay, so my relationship with the water started probably 20 some years ago and I was not the prototypical swimmer, high school swimmer. You know, I didn't swim in age group or anything like that. And I was always active in sports when I was growing up. I you know, played soccer in high school and club soccer in college and started running. And then I found triathlon, but swimming was not part of my triathlon experience. I would go in and survive the swim and then do an excellent ride and a, and a run. And then, then I found bicycle racing, which was really compelling to me. And I'd always been interested in that. Even since I was a little kid, I remember seeing um, a cover on Sports Illustrated, you know, and, and I'll never forget it. It's like, Somebody had taken an overhead shot of guys, you know, they were staying on a bridge and all the whole pack was riding underneath the bridge. And somebody just took this amazingly colorful photograph. And I'd always been fascinated by long distance cycling. And I was racing pretty well into my 20s and 30s. I, you know, I was a mountain bike racer and I was doing well on what was then the Norba Circuit National Off-Road Bike, which then was purchased by the United States Cycling Federation, which I don't even think is in existence anymore. I think it's just USA Cycling. And so I was doing well and I was having like a lot of success and a lot of fun on the mountain bike circuit, but I've developed like a little bit of a back injury and just an overuse injury. And, I, and listen, back then we didn't know, or certainly the general public didn't have access to like cross training and the amount of the type of physical therapy or even chiropractic at that time. And so I just started swimming just to maintain myself between races and I got the water and I was like, 
how could I be racing at this high level of mountain bike? And it was the advent of, or the early stages of heart rate monitors, you know, and so we could capture our races, you know, our, our workouts, you know, and I was averaging, I don't know, 170 beats a minute for an hour and a half, two hours. And I got into the pool. And I'm like, I can't get from one end to the other without being exhausted. <laughs> At that point, swimming felt really good on my body. You know, I just, it felt really good. Do you remember what it was that brought you to the water? So you said that, you know, like just to keep in shape between, but you like, you said you would survive the swim and triathlon. So then why did you come back to the water? Because it felt good. It felt good to stretch my body rather than compress and be locked in. Yeah. And cycling is, cycling is fun because you can go far under your own power, but you're locked into these pedal clips and you're doing the same thing over and over and over and over and over. You know, it's the same pattern over and over. I mean, you can stand up and sit down, but and, and mountain biking made it easier to be a little different. But then when I got into the water, I was like, man, I can stretch my body out rather than compress everything. And I'm not all locked in. I, I like felt this sense of freedom. And that's when I really started to like think, well, maybe this is a better sport for me. Again, this was like the real early days of the internet. I mean, I had like a leading edge. 286 <laughs> and dial up internet. And I typed in adult swimming. And the first thing that came up was total immersion with Terry Lachlan. And so I signed up for one of his classes because again, I just knew that I had something here and I took the class and I discovered that you don't have to be, en- I don't want to say enormously fit because it does help. But there was a technique and a science to the swimming. You know, I already had a aerobic base. And then once I learned the technique and how you could hone or change the technique for what you wanted to do, that's when I really became hooked. Because it was a, it was a series of movements and practices of movement that got me into it. You know, and so it, was like, it was almost like learning to play the piano or learning to play the drums or painting or cooking, or it was like, it was like this practice that every time I did it, I found more efficiency. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, you developed a practice of swimming instead of it being a workout, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. And so it was like yoga or anything else. It was just like this refinement of movement that, that got me hooked. And I guess it had to be at that point in time, you know, because you know, earlier we just went out and ran or we just, we would just go out and bike. But I think as you become an older athlete, you, you just can't go out and hammer every day. You know, that's what I did. I, you know, and so then I learned to refine my movement and learn to be more efficient. And so there's, you know, once that gets a hold of you or certain people, then, you know, it becomes a, almost a passion and it became a passion for me. Mm-hmm. And this was midlife, you said? <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. You said 20 years ago. I don't know how old you are. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's when I when I was in my 40s that I learned really learned how to swim or learned to appreciate the value of efficient swimming. Swimming. So I'm 61 now. So I've you know I've been practicing it for 21 years. Mm-hmm. That's excellent. So where did it take you? This relationship with the water that you developed, this new practice. It took me to. And I didn't know much, you know, then, I mean, I knew about pool swimming and obviously the Olympics and, you know, United States master swimming, which I immediately joined because I wanted to learn more about adult swimming and I wanted to contribute because I think adult swimming, I just think swimming in general is good for 
just about anybody, no matter where, what else you want to do, whether you're a, a bat professional basketball player or a football player or anything else, you know, swimming is just good, I think, for anybody. And then if you want to be just a swimmer, you can take it in that direction too. So, you know, I joined USMS and, you know, so it was all pool swimming. And then maybe seven, eight years ago, I was in my early to mid fifties. And there's another guest that you had on here from our town, Mary Stella. And we were all, I think she was practicing Ironman triathlon at that time. And we just kind of thought that we'd like to try, you know, an open water swim. So one of our local YMCA's had a three mile swim you know, 5k. And, uh, I was like, you know, I mean, I couldn't believe that we were going to go out and swim for three miles straight. You know, we'd done pools, but you know, there's no walls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, we had a good time with that and a bunch of us had done it. And then there was another lady in our town, Clancy, who had done, uh, and she's a good swimmer. She had done a, um, a 10k at Lake George. So the following year we went up to Lake George and did the 10k. And again, I couldn't believe that we were going to swim 6.2 miles and, and I did it and you know I was a wreck I mean I'd never done anything that strenuous for three hours I mean I could ride a hundred miles on a bike in four and a half or under five hours it wasn't anything but then you know you swim for like three it took me I don't know three hours and 40 minutes that time and I was really hooked because I mean my muscles hurt but nothing else hurt and it, it felt really good interesting <laughs> yeah yeah you know it felt really good to go that far and just like just just really just push yourself. There was no pacing, you know, I just went out and did it. And then I circled back with Terry Lachlan again, because I wanted a couple pointers on my stroke. And he said that maybe you should try like swimming around Manhattan. I was like, that's for like real swimmers, you know, like people <laughs> that have been swimming all their lives. And he said, no, you, I think you could do it. And so we tried two stages of eight bridges and that was in 2017 Oh, prior to 2017, we tried also some of Phil White's swims, you know, the 10 mile and then the border buster, you know, and those were pretty cool. I mean, they were like, they set the table and Phil's got some cool stuff. You know, I, I love, you know, that's where, that's where I met you was at Kingdom Week. You know, that's kind of like one of the coolest things ever. I think, you know, just kind of go out and swim and there's like no real pressure. You just go out and swim some lakes with some awesome people. And, you know, I've met a lot of people there. And so then, so 2017, I tried stage one and stage five of eight bridges and stage one, I made it like to this little, maybe a mile from the bridge and I was sick and I just didn't know much about swimming that long. And, you know, the tide came in and I didn't make it. And I thought, oh man, how am I ever going to turn this thing around and swim stage five, which I think is known as the beast. And so I kind of got my act together. I changed my feet around a little bit and lo and behold, the next week I swam stage five. And again, I met some really cool people there. I met like, you know, Steve Grinwald and Steve Rao and Janine. I mean, all people that have been on your program, you know, I don't Steve Grinwald hasn't been on your program. No, I haven't. uh, You've got to hook him up because, you know, he's got some stories to tell too. And then in August, I tried Manhattan and I made it. And that was such an epic swim. Because not in my performance, but just the magnitude of swimming around this giant city, and you know you're you're swimming up the up, up the Harlem, and you know you got hobos on the side of the of the river fishing, and they're cheering you on, and these guys don't even know who you are, you know what I mean? 
or you get to the train yard and, and you know, there's guys working on backhoes and they're beeping their horns and, you know, cheering everybody on. And then you go through Spite and Dival and into the Hudson and, you know, this enormity of this river and you're swimming along, you know, freighters and ocean liners and you get down by the harbor and, you know, you got the water taxis and it's just this epic thing of New York City and the vibe and, and then you're done and you just, like go home and it's like, well, what can we do next? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, what's next? <laughs> Cause it's like so awesome, you know? And so that's how I progressed into long distance marathon swimming. You know, it's, you know, once you go down the rabbit hole and I think it takes, and we're all, I don't want to use the term guilty, <laughs> but you know, we're, we all have it. Anybody that's involved in long distance swimming kind of like goes down this pathway right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And what is it? Is it self-exploration? Maybe, you know, I mean, cause for us, there's no prize money in long distance swimming. I mean, and, and to me, that's the beauty of long distance of, of what we do. One of the things I noticed, and this is such a side tangent, but, uh, you know, when I was in bicycle racing, there was always, even at the amateur level, there was some prize money, you know, just enough to, if you were winning, you, you know, you pay your gas or your tires or something. And, you know, invariably there'd be like a, a fist fight in the parking lot because somebody cut somebody else off at the, oh. in the sprint, you mm -hmm. know, and then, and then, and then I, as I migrated over to mountain bike racing, there was no money in the, you know, no prize money. And then as they started adding prize money, it got like more competitive, but it, there was some of the fun was taken out of it, you know? And so then you get to what we do. And there's no prize money and it's, you know, you're there, mostly everybody's there because they love their relationship with the water and they like to do some self-exploration. As for me, that's how it is. Yeah, right. Yeah. I like sit with that, the competition thing, because it's interesting because in me, I find that in a setting like one of Phil White swims that I do find myself wondering how I'm doing against the other swimmers. And it's not quite that same. Well, even probably during Kingdom Swim Week, you know, I, but I'm like, what am I competing against? Because at the end of the day, the self-fulfillment is what I'm after, knowing that when I finish something that I did that, you know, and that I get to take that with me for the rest of my life. And, that, and so I think that's way more what I do it. But, but I wonder about that kind of competitive edge. And it's interesting that you bring in like the, like how in biking and with their prize money and like just how it makes us, I guess, it's interesting, just the duality of like the the self exploration and like well, that kind of person that you can be by becoming like wanting to be a better self versus the kind of person you become when you are competing with other people and you become there's fistfights in the parking lot. You know, it's like that. Just that duality is just very interesting to me. <laughs> oh yeah, completely interesting. Yeah, and I don't even know. Do I want to swim as fast as one of my one of my buddies? Yeah, I do. But every day is a different day. Even when we're cold water swimming, you know, two weeks ago I. We were swimming in 58 degree water and it was like, oh man, I'm cold. And then the next week we were swimming in 60 degree water and it's, it's only two degrees warmer, but so it's not like drastically warmer, but all of a sudden it's easy. You know what I mean? And so every day is different and you can go back and swim stage one the next day. I mean, if you possibly could of eight bridges and have a completely different result. And your buddy or your friend may be have like a negative result just because they weren't feeling good on that day. And every day is a different day on the water. Maybe it's liberating. Maybe that's what it is. It's liberating to think, you know, like you were saying, like the freedom of just like, well, it's a different day. So you don't like, you don't, we can shed the comparison to a degree. Because you can't do that in the pool. Right, right, right. The precision. Yeah. Right. At the end of that day, it's still a 25 yard pool. There's no wind. 
the water's always going to be 78 or whatever it is, 77, 78. Do you know what I mean? And so on that day, you have to be your absolute best or you don't have the gold medal. Whereas in swimming, you might not be your best and still get there, or you might be your best and have the best day ever, but you can't, it's difficult to replicate, I think, in open water swimming. So for me, that's what's compelling because what is it that we need to do to make that happen day after day after day? And can we quantify that? You know, is it quantifiable? I don't know. You know, there's so many other variables, mood, wind, weather, food, parents, business, pandemics, you know what I mean? It always changing. Yeah, but we can always go back to the water. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, it's always there. So when you circled back with Terry, did he give you some pointers on your stroke other than inspiring you to go swim Manhattan? <laughs> uh, minor things, yeah, minor tweaks. And that's the other thing, you know, like there's always something you can work on in swimming, just even technique-wise. And there's so much to think about. To me, you know, if I've got my hands entering properly, then something's going on with my feet, you know, or I'm not pushing in hard enough, or I'm not rotating enough, or I'm rotating too much. So there's this constant evolution. So he, you know, he gave me a couple things. And on the, you know, the one that always sticks with me is, I guess people of my era <laughs> can remember, can identify with this. But on Saturday Night Live, there was Steve Martin, and he would show up with the arrow pointing over, you know, through his head because he's such a goof. And so we called it the Steve Martin joke because we would have to like, he called it hop and drop. You you know, you would finish, come up over your ear where the arrow would come in and just drop it in right where the arrow started again, you know? And so I, I always remember, you know, hop and drop, you know, just don't overextend and get your hand in that water soon. So that's, you know, that's the one I always remember from Terry. <laughs> Silliness. That's great. You guys had the opportunity to be in the area where he was in and be work. Oh yeah. Him. We were lucky for that. Yeah. New Paltz was two hours from my house. And so he always did all of this, most of his, I mean, I know he did a lot of stuff all over the country and, and literally all over the world, I think, but, but the epicenter for us was Hudson Valley and New York city, New Jersey and stuff like that. So, you know, we're not far from that. Yeah, it was, it was definitely cool to be able to tap into that energy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. After Manhattan, where did you go? This has been a journey. So what do you do after that? Well, after Manhattan, because again, you start thinking about English Channel or Catalina, right? Right, obviously, because there's this triple crown thing hanging out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, or all of eight bridges. And I really, I always wanted to do all of eight bridges because that's something, and maybe I'm putting too many limitations on myself because I still talk about it with everybody. But eight bridges is something that you got to do, I think, while you have some relative youth on you because... You know, 120 miles of swimming in eight days, as you become older, becomes more of a challenge because the recuperation time is a challenge. But maybe that's a self-limitation. And if you could get eight bridges under your belt, then you could go do the Triple Crown, English Channel and Catalina. But it doesn't always work out that way because there's you have to lead up to it. And I think 2018 was a lead up for me. I tried to swim the length of Lake Memphremagog and we, we, you know, we were sent out a big windstorm and I don't forget how many people were with in our little group, maybe 10, maybe 12. And only two people finished. Vera Rivard was one of them and Charissa Gutierrez finished also. And so I learned something there. You know, I had to learn about toughing it out and, you know, I was more seasick than anything. You know, I drank so much lake water that day. You know, just 
I, mean, I like swimming in rough water. I really do. I just had to learn to tough it out. And then, so that was 2018. And then and I forget what else I did, but I mean, I had some decent swims. Then 2019, I get this call from Steve Grunwald. He said, let's try swimming Kaiwi. Because he and I had done swim the suck and we found a, a feed that worked for us. So he was all gung-ho to try uh, Kaiwi. And Steve and I swim reasonably well together. He, he starts out faster than I do, but I think I can finish. I have like a little more endurance. And Steve's a great swimmer and he's a good guy. And we had a lot of fun. We have a lot of fun together. So we're doing Kaiwi and we'd been there for two weeks and we'd run out of time. We were running out of days because the wind was so hard. And, the, you know, we wait, we didn't, we had to wait until the very last day, which was a Friday. Everybody was scheduled to leave on a Saturday and the water was the best that it could be, I guess, in that two week period. And so we start, we're swimming and I don't know, we're a couple hours in and then Steve gets sick. He pulled and then, uh, you know, I'm swimming along and about an hour after Steve pulled, I'm, I was bitten by the cookie cutter shark. So that event obviously <laughs> put a little bit of a hold or sent my swimming journey in a different a direction that I would have never planned or, or anybody, you know? So I had to recuperate. I did stage six that year of eight bridges because I, I was wanted to swim doing upstate, you know, the first four. And I, you know, I was recuperated enough that I could volunteer. And then Steve came back and did an upstate. And I was like so impressed by the way Steve swam and the way the water was and the way everything was. I pleaded with David and Rondi to let me swim stage six. And I had I had enough training in and I finished the swim, but it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't great. I didn't do particularly well. And and then I did the three rivers marathon swim afterwards and I barely made it under the wire, you know, the 12 hour cutoff, but, but I just, you know, my training had been so interrupted and, and I didn't realize that I was still recovering. You know, I mean, like, I'm like, I'm a kind of like a knucklehead like that. I just, you know, think that I'm going to bounce back. And I thought that, you know, I'd been recovered and I wasn't, you know, not fully. And then two 2020 was the pandemic. So hardly anybody got any swimming there. And we were doing a couple of bootleg swims and our own swims. And, you know, I did a, a loop around my local lake. And then, and then 2021, my mom passed away and my dad was diagnosed with dementia. And, and business was a challenge because of COVID and everything else. And so here we are at 2022. And, you know, I'm a little more tired than I want to be going into some big swims. So that's where it's taken me, you know, and I'm like, you know, so now I'm thinking to myself, you know, what do I do now? It's hard to make some plans with parents. And listen, I'm 60 and everybody in my generation or 61, pretty much everybody in my generation, I think has a parent that's going through what my parents have gone through. You know, and I, I mean, you know, it seems like everybody that I talk to uh, has a parent that has some kind of a long health issue. It takes its toll time-wise. I mean, you, you think that you can go out and swim and all of a sudden you're taking care of a parent, whether it's in a hospital or you're, you're covering for somebody while they're recuperating at home. And, and you think that you can go out and swim, but you can't really go out and put it all out there and then like spend the next week or so in, a, in an emergency room or something like that. Do you know what I mean? So I'm kind of like up in the air right now. I'm just kind of taking this year as it comes. And it's frustrating because type A people, and I think a lot of us fall into that category, right? Say, well, you know, if I'm going to do this, this, and this in the year of 
X, Y, Z, and then you can't. And now you have to learn this whole adaptability skill. Sounds like a good skill to learn. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm struggling with it. (laughs) What is swim freedom? It's the freedom to start swimming when you don't think you have the skill, ability, or time. The freedom to swim with ease. The freedom to enjoy your time in the water. The freedom to swim further than you ever thought possible. What's holding you back? Let's talk about it. Shannon at IntrepidWater.com I want to come back to this, but I feel like you glossed over, I think you're assuming that everyone knows about the cookie cutter incident. I mean, and um, I don't know how much you want to retell, but did how did that affect your comfort level or in the water or your, I don't know, like there's a lot there that I feel like you just glossed right over. Like, and then I went to Kaiwi and then I got caught back and then I had to recover. <laughs> can, can you take <laughs> us there? <laughs> sure. I mean, I'll go as far as you want to go on that one. Well, first of all, I was back in the water in six weeks wearing a wetsuit. But, you know, I knew that I wanted to get my body stretched out. And when I had the bite, I had a big hole below my belly button, like a good six inch diameter. Six diameter. Of, wow. Okay. Small, like a small pizza. <laughs> like a personal pizza. <laughs> wow. So I was, it's like reverse sushi. The, the fish got their revenge on me. That one. <laughs> that's, that's a way to make light of it, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but, and it was deep, you know, it went, you know, it was uh, like two centimeters deep. That's what they do. Yeah. And, and so to repair that, I had to have, I guess, I forget what the repair is called, but it's the equivalent of a tummy tuck. Oh, wow. So for weeks, I was, you know, bent over at the waist and I'm still tight. I never realized how long it would take for my body to release and get all that elasticity back, which is amazing to me because the human body is like pretty incredible. It's very incredible. Yeah. To do, you know? And so I suppose if my message to a lot of people is, you know, when I tell them this or they ask me about it, you know, I say, don't give up because, you know, your body is made out of all these cells that are pretty much elastic. And the only thing that's limiting you from regaining, and not the only thing, but I mean, you, you might not get it back to where it was a hundred percent, but think about it. You're never really a hundred percent of what you were a week ago or even a day ago. You're a hundred percent of what you are now. And so you have to let all that stuff go, let it go and look you know, one day at a time further down forward, right? You do. And so it's taken me probably three years to get fully recuperated from this. Yeah. Wow. Was there any kind of cross training or anything that you could do to kind of help, I guess, stretch? (laughs) It's hard to imagine. Swimming was really the best. Yeah. Yeah. Swimming and and walking. And I had to wait because I had, you know, I had stitches on the inside. Then I had 26 stitches, staples on the outside. Oh, one staple for every mile of that swim (laughs) that you couldn't complete (laughs) so i saved all the staples (laughs) and one of these days we're going to go back and throw those staples in the water and do that swim again do it swim again okay yeah yeah when the time is right you know but things you know things have to settle down so the cross training was walking and swimming but i had to take it easy and i just had to take with whatever my body would give me yeah you know 
and I would feel it. I mean, I could feel it in my stroke because I could, I, when the shark hit me, it nipped part of the muscle fascia on my right side, my right rectus abdominis, mm-hmm. the one like the, the, the muscle that comes right through your abdomen on the right side. So there's always been more tightness on that side recuperating. So it kind of like threw my mechanics of my stroke off a little bit. And so you have to like work through all that and just push it. And some days it's fine. And then other days it comes back. You know, I'm like, what is that? At this point to me, it has to be a mental thing. Yeah. Potentially. You know, like something, something going on mentally. So you have to just like, push through it and, and get through it and, and work, not push, but work through it and reason through it. And, and then you get to another level and it levels off and then you find, uh, you start pushing again and you, and then you, you find another little thing to work on. And all of a sudden the shark bite is just like refining your stroke. Mm, interesting. So for me it was, yeah. yeah. So I was going to say for as amazing as our bodies are, they're also complex. You know, I think there's, you know, there's hormones and like all kinds of things. Just the sensations in our body, I feel like can be so, I don't know, it's like, or what's going on at work, the stress. It's like, you know, when we carry that stuff into the water, there's so much of a letting, like, release that you have to, like, let happen. And it's hard to do because sometimes you're like, I just want to get through the swim because you've got, you know, your dad, you got to go take care of and work, you got to go. And it's it's hard to get to where I guess what the romantic notion of I what I want the water to always be is is um, it's just a romantic state. <laughs> right you're right that euphoric state of like that flow state of when you're when you're in a swim and it's like you know there's nothing you don't you're not thinking of anything else you're not even thinking yeah you know what I mean it's just happening it doesn't matter for me my medium is swimming for somebody else that euphoric state could be playing the piano or painting or cooking or playing football or golf or whatever it is that's what it's all about. Yeah, right. I'm wondering now that you said the flow state, because it's been a big research project of mine, side project, for me, and so I'm curious for you, I don't feel like I can get it in a practice as much as like, I feel like that's why I sign up for the swims, the long swims, is because that's when I can set all my responsibilities aside and go find or try seek, <laughs> seek that seek. flow state. Yeah, 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 yeah. And sometimes you find it and it finds you, you know, and like sometimes some days you don't it even, doesn't. You, like, like sometimes you don't even... <laughs> You know, like you sit there's some days that you do so much preparation and you never find it. And then there's other days, like you just like kind of, and it's there and it's like, whoa, this is, let's go see where this takes us. Yeah. I'm a little astounded that the, it sounds like you're, and I'm love that you want to go back to Kaiwi. I think I want to go with you. I'm terrified, but I think I'd go with the guy who's been bit before. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but you, so it didn't change your comfort level in the water at all. You're just like, yeah, whatever shark had a, had a little meal and is oh, there a fear no, there? Oh, no, I, I'm still a little jumpy. There's some PTSD a little bit. Uh, like when I did Three Rivers, you know, the paddlers, knew that I'd been bitten by the shark, obviously, but sometimes they would throw the paddle wash, you know, the, the paddle wash into my stream, which normally wouldn't have bothered. But then I felt like, ah, you know, I would get startled, you know, like, oh man. And I was never really bothered by things in the water, but occasionally I'll get bumped by something, you know, and it, it still scares me a little bit. So I hope I can weed that part of it out. Cause I know a lot of people are freaked out by touching things in the water. You know, you know, they are, you know, and I get it, but you know, <laughs> when they bite, <laughs> <laughs> right? that's when you got to watch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting thing to, I guess, work through. Like, 
I love that you kind of just got back on the horse and just kept swimming, but it sounds like it's, you need it. Oh, I love, <laughs> I, I love swimming and there was really nothing else I would really, really wanted else to do. I mean, I, you know, and I remember once I was kept like a little bit of a journal and, um, when I was cycling, I would write my goals and things that I wanted to do. And I remember writing down that when I turned 50, that I wanted to become a, a master swimmer. But so it happened when I was 40. And, you know, I just knew that this was something that I wanted to do. I always liked the water. I feel like I hear people say, you know, oh, I'd love to be a swimmer. And then there's always the but. Why should somebody consider swimming? Because I think anybody can do it if you put, and I don't even think, you, I don't want to use the term put your mind to it because that's like, sounds like drudgery. But if you open your mind and allow the water to support you and learn all the little tricks that allow the water to support you, anybody could do it. Yeah. I think there's so many people that are like, have this fear of the water. I don't even know why, but it's valid because there's a lot of them. And I don't know what that is. I don't know enough about the research on that to, you know, to say, Hey, you know, you can get over this because I think anybody can. And then once you develop these movement skills, you know, there's an ease and a gracefulness about it. You don't have to be the fastest person to experience how the water can actually work for you. So I told this to other people, you know, I, I told this to Gia once, you know, she, and she's been on your show. You know, some days the water swims you. There are things that you can do to allow the water to work for you. It's, not, it's actually not hard work to me, if you know the tricks. And you just have to keep practicing them until they become automatic. You know, unconscious competence was one of Terry's things. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, that's a big, big thing. In coaching, just trying to teach people that unconscious competence. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you start off unconsciously incompetent. You don't know what's going on. And then you become consciously incompetent, right? You think, well, you know, now something's not right here because somebody's doing faster than me or easier than me. And you seek help and then somebody helps you. And then you can become consciously competent. You have to think about it. And then there's that day when it happens and then you're unconsciously competent. It just happens. And then that becomes normal. And then you figure out there's more things to work on, you know? Yeah. You have to want to work on things. And that's, I think for some people, that's the biggest hurdle. For some people, there's a fear. Obviously, it's a medium that we could die in. And then there's the, I think there's people who, we, I don't know that swimming lessons is always taught in a way, you know, like people are taught to get to the other side of a pool or whatever. They're not necessarily taught to enjoy the water, you know, and then as we get older, it's harder to do something that you're not good at, you know, and to like to just say like I'm going to put myself in a position where <laughs> I don't know <laughs> what I'm doing, but I'm going to do that anyway. You know, like I, it's hard for people to to put themselves in that space. But um, I, I'm trying to figure out how to interpret like how do I tell people how valuable it is? It's like no, but but we need to. <laughs> you should do it. To me, it never really mattered what the skill was. I mean, you know, because you know people can do that academically. People get their, you know, their master's degrees when they're 40. Well, it's not much different mm -hmm. than teaching yourself to swim. I mean, you just have to open up another part of your brain. I don't think that I could get my master's degree in, uh, I don't know, something. And somebody would say, yes, you can. You have to put your, your mind to it, open up that part of your brain. So for me, the physicality and the mental, the mentality of swimming was, was, came easily to me. And so, you know, one of my things is to try and convey that to other people that you can do it. You just have to allow it to happen. That's the tricky part. That's the part of teaching 
is enabling, you know, getting people to almost enable themselves to be able to do it. Yes. Yes. Getting past the limiting beliefs, which maybe we should circle back to your limiting yourself by your age. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. I I do know better, but sometimes they, you know, we. They're called limiting beliefs for a reason (laughs) because we limit ourselves with them, right? (laughs) Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. A limited belief system, you know, when really it's unlimited, it's all out there. And there's, you know, for swimming, you know, I wanted to at least you know mention this you know and this is the cool thing about swimming you know there's like pat uh pat galette Charette. oh yeah pgc (laughs) you know who i'm talking about pgc you know that woman's amazing right i mean what she's doing is amazing and jamie tout you know there's another guy that's you know just knocking these swims out of the you know or there are stefan reinke i mean he was on your podcast you know the guy did all four stages of scar or Steve Munitonis, one scar this year, you know, at 50, at 59 years of age, you know, that's after that's a major heart attack. Yeah. <laughs> after a major heart attack. That's pretty darn good. We can talk about getting past these limited belief systems. Yeah. Because that's what it is. Yeah. And then the, I love the longevity of swimming. I always try to make people know like, well, yes, there's, you can start at any age, you know, and you can do whatever you want and it's, and you can do it for the rest of your life. You know, there's just not the the impacts of gravity and, you know, or even it's just, there is a coordination, but that's the kind of the channeling that can happen if you allow yourself to get those coordinated movements in the water. So, yeah. Right. I agree. Yeah. You know, you know, people say 60 is the new 40, <laughs> you, know, you know, so I don't know if that makes 70 to the new 50, you know, or 80 to the new 60. I don't know. You know, or maybe 80 is going to be the new 40 someday. Yeah. I don't know. Vicki Keith said she's going to live to 132. So we're Who all. Who said that? Vicky oh, yeah, Keith. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like, yes, yeah. this is awesome. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, why, why not? Why not? All right. Exactly. Because, yeah, you know, we had now we have. We know so much more about nutrition now mm. than we did. We know more about physical therapy and the way the, the, the body works and the way exercise and exercise supports brain function and, you know, good diet supports brain. Why can't we? Yeah, we can. You know? Well, yeah. So, yeah, I, yeah, I'm all for that. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> so tell us about SCAR. So it was a, tell me about how SCAR went this year for you. Well, SCAR was hard for me this year. Cause I, you know, I had limited training going in and maybe that's a limited belief. I don't know. And, and I only, I did only Apache and Roosevelt. And so, you know, it's everything they say that it is. It's cold at the start, <laughs> you know, and, and scar is a challenge because you know, in my opinion, because if you're from the Northeast part of the country, the water's still too cold to practice, you know, to get some practice. If you live in Florida, the water's too warm. You know, if you live, I don't know, how's the water where you live? Maybe more temperate. Yeah, we're, you said you guys are at 62 today. We were at 59 um, Monday, but it, but it probably, it doesn't get as cold in the winter here. So we can not swim through the winter. I mean, it's 40s. It gets down to high 30s, 40s. But yeah, but you can, it's a very hard swim to train for. I think most people train in the pool for it, but then you're not ready for the cold water. So it's like, how do you balance that and be ready for a long swim in April? Yeah. And that's the conundrum of doing, you know, that type of an early swim and, and stage swimming fascinates me too, because, you know, it's day after day after day and, and, and we can push ourselves to do it. You know, it's just, how do you get through it? How do you manage it? You know, so that's the fascinating 
thing to me. So starting, you know, when I started Apache, you know, it was, you know, I don't know, 52 or 53. And it's, you know, it'll wake you up in a hurry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the water temperature. Yeah. You know? And then it was just, it was cold and windy all day. And I just, you know, for me, I DNF, I didn't have the um, training base to, to make that work, you know. And then Roosevelt is just, uh, you know, that's, that's really one of the most fun swims there is. Yeah. It's, they had a buoy course this year, though. Is they did. What? Yeah. There was, I don't know, they had access issues because of a COVID related. Mm violation or issue so and i get it i mean you know it's, i don't know if it's easier for kent to run a buoy course or out you know a point to point i don't know i would think it's easier to run a buoy course because everybody starts and finishes at the same spot which is cool you know there's always a little more uh, post swim camaraderie yeah but you know the magnitude of arizona and the, the lakes and the rivers in that state are just you know, it's it's amazing just how the land the land rolls and goes on and on and on and on forever. Yeah, you know, it's really the, the the beauty, and that's the cool thing about all these swims. I mean, really, it's just uh, excuse to go somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the water's always a little different too. You know, it, it tastes different, it feels different. You know, there, as a swimmer, I think you can talk about that. You know, the water's different from one location to the next. You know, it feels different. You know, which is kind of cool. But uh, you know, scars, it's a hard swim to train for. Yeah. How do you think that marathon swimming has changed, enhanced, or not your um, your relationship with the water? Oh, it's definitely enhanced. Uh, and well, it's, first of all, it's changed my relationship with the water, and it's definitely enhanced it. I started as a pool swimmer, you know, and that water, if you're talking relationship, you know, relationship with the water, that water's always like a lot of chemicals. It's very chlorine-y, you know, and, and not that I mind swimming in a pool because I mean, you know, like if I can get to the pool, you know, I like to swim at five o'clock in the morning, you know, on a cold winter morning, all of a sudden that feels good by April and May that, you know, that warm water, that, that sensation I'm, you know, I'm done with going, you know, swimming in circles. And now I'm, now I'm ready to go out into, you know, the lakes and, and feel the, the crispness of the water and the, and the feel of the air, you know, the air change. The quality of the air is obviously much different than it is inside of a pool. The seasons of swimming, you know, they're always changing for me. You know, it's always a welcome change. You know, certainly by my November and December, you know, I'm ready to come back into the pool and chill out a little bit. And you know, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it's kind of a beautiful ebb and flow of you know, and you and it's really there is this kind of. Um, we're really in with nature. Like, you know, you're kind of bound with nature in a way. We go through this, like you said, we go through the seasons and we end up just, I don't know, for me, I end up dropping off my swimming almost completely after some of the big long swims in the summer. But I really like kind of nestling in and like, I don't know, reacquainting, but like going, you know, going back to the pool little by little. And it's just, but it's a really kind of a beautiful connection with the world <laughs> yeah, well, uh, and it's, yeah so i'm from the northeast so we all you know part of the country you know, northeastern pennsylvania so we get four seasons you know and so we're used to seasonality i suppose if you were from the south or the west you know the southwest you don't get that seasonality so your output changes you know i mean your planning changes you know like you can do you know if you're from san diego you can pretty much swim the year round so you're, you know, your training is different. I, it, there, I don't know if it's any more or less than somebody from the Northeast, but you know, the, 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 the planning changes. 
Yeah, I wonder if they're. And yeah, you know, and the thing I like about swimming is, you know, running. You got a pair of shoes and a shorts and a shirt. Cycling was a little more gear oriented. Kayaking, I mean, holy crow! There's like so much stuff <laughs> that you buy for kayaking yeah. or even hiking. But swimming, you know, for a guy, it's just a pair of shorts and a cap and goggles. For a girl, it's you know, a, a one piece or a two piece, and that's it. I mean, you're buried in nature. That's about a, to me as close to nature as you're going to get. I mean, you're in one of the elements of nature and you're mm -hmm. fully immersed. And to me, I like that. There's no equipment. Goggles don't make you go faster. Your cap doesn't make you go faster. Your suit, right. I don't know, long distance swimming. I don't know if those, those, those Fina suits make you go any faster or not. Right. I don't know. You know what I mean? But af I mean, after 30, you know, 20 mile swim, it doesn't really make that much of a difference. It's all about what you're putting into it. And so I always liked that about swimming. You know, it's just, it's you, you know, it's just you and the, and the water and that's all there is to it. To me, that's the beauty of swimming. Yeah. Yeah. As long as there's water. Yeah. You're, you're and good. Well, there's that. <laughs> there's that. Yeah. That's a problem. You know, it is. Yeah. It's a real problem. You know, Lake Mead is down. I don't know how many feet. Oh, you know, yeah, even Apache route or Apache, you could see the, uh, you know, I don't look like it was down five or six feet, you know, from the, from the rings on the, or the, the markings on the rocks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a lot of water. That's a lot of water. That's a lot of water. Yeah. So we better take care of it. Thank you so much for chatting with me, Eric. Oops, oh, sorry. thanks, Shannon. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you were inspired by even just a moment of this story, please share it with a friend. You never know what might push someone out of their comfort zone so that they can find out what they're capable of. And please leave a review with your podcast provider. It truly helps others discover the raw and honest stories of these amazing endurance swimmers. Thanks for listening.